Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Daron. And I'm Nicole. And today, we're talking about intermittent fasting and calorie deficits. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 50 of the Eat Right Nutrition podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about intermittent fasting and calorie deficits. And the reason why I wanted to tie them both together is I think oftentimes, and I've heard this from enthusiasts and proponents of intermittent fasting, saying that it's basically something that is special and unique, and it has a lot of science behind it it can be beneficial for uh, things like cancer, insulin sensitivity, weight loss, overall health. So I want to talk today about some of that information, some of the things that are behind intermittent fasting, some of the mechanisms, and also a little bit about calorie deficits, because I do think that there's a lot of crossover in terms of fasting and calorie deficits. And then we have to really kind of ask ourselves the questions, are these benefits unique to fasting or are you creating a calorie deficit and this is why you are receiving these benefits? So I want to kick off with fasting and what fasting is. So a fasted state is a metabolic state that the body enters after 8 to 12 hours without food. It's defined by the shift in nutrient use from external to internal sources This shift is what creates the biochemical changes and potential benefits of fasting. Let let me kind of dive into that a little bit more. When we're talking external and internal sources of nutrient use, we're talking essentially external food not coming into the system and your body having to rely on internal fuel sources or nutrient sources. So your body having to use its own body fat, your body having to uh, break down its own glycogen, Uh, for carbohydrates, for energy, for your muscles, rather than you putting something into the system where then your body has it available because you've just eaten and it can extract those nutrients from food. That makes sense. So the way I look at it, and we're going to talk about a few different things here, a few different mechanisms that your body goes through. And one of them is autophagy. Another one is talking about uh, cellular senescence, which kind of is supposed to help with the aging process. And we're also going to talk about fat loss and uh, the benefit in terms of fat loss or potential benefits for somebody wanting to try intermittent fasting or compare it to calorie deficits. So we're basically talking about these benefits as they cross over into both of these different categories. And what I find interesting is that the benefits that come from fasting, they largely, I think, stem from the fact that you're in a calorie restriction to begin with. And this is where I get into some of the research where people think that Nicole, you and I've had these conversations with clients where, you know, Sally and her friend Susie, like Susie's doing (laughs) intermittent fasting and she's having the time of her life. And Sally's like, I think that is what I need to do because that Mm -hmm. seems to be like really beneficial. And what are your thoughts? Right. So Mm -hmm. Nicole client comes up to you and asks you, Hey, you know, what, what are your thoughts on intermittent fasting? Where, like, where are we at with that? Mm-hmm. Well, I just explain to them what it is. And I ask them if it's something that they think they, 
that they think they could adhere to and what we can give it a try. I mean, at this point, I always let the clients try it out. And when they find out that they can't adhere to it, then I explain to them that intermittent fasting versus calorie deficit is going to provide the same results as long as you can adhere to it. So I'm kind of from the the camp that says... As it, Sally might be able to do it and Susan or whoever could do it. I, I'm mixing up the names, but well, Susan's already doing it. And Sally, if is Susan's doing it and getting success, then that's because Susan can stick to it. Not because intermittent fasting creates a greater or faster outcome of fat loss. As far as I'm concerned, it's just that she can actually do it and it's working and she's having fun to your point. It's easy. She's being successful. It's not making her tired or run down. Her hunger cues are balanced. So it's something she can adhere to. So she's doing it and it's getting her success. But Sally, right? Sally may not be able to do that. Maybe Sally can't wait till one o'clock in the afternoon to eat and she's tired and hungry and it, it doesn't suit her. So when she tries it, it doesn't work for her. And then she thinks her body is a failure. And then you get into this vicious mental cycle that she can never lose weight because she can't do <laughs> what Susan's doing to lose weight, which it's such an individual thing that it really doesn't matter what Susan is doing. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, I think it's important to note that the same rules apply. So when Sally, exactly into intermittent fasting, and I've had this with clients where they'll come in and they'll say, I've already been doing intermittent fasting and mm-hmm. I'm just, the pounds aren't coming off. And I'm like, all right, well, great. Let's have you log in a food journal and we'll look at what you're eating and we'll see if, you're like what you're doing, what you're where you're going wrong and why it's not working for you. Now, yeah. it could not be working for you. I've had many clients that come to me and they're like, hey, I'm doing intermittent fasting. All right, great. It's not working for you. Log in a food journal for a week. Let's see where you're at. And, and they always are eating past. They're always eating more than they think. they are. Well, they're either eating more or they're eating less. And this is where right. we go into the same principles apply that apply to calorie deficits, where if you create too big of a deficit, you're going to have some metabolic adaptation. So I've had people on, on the one end where they're creating too big of a deficit and in their eight hour window that they're eating, they're creating. So they're doing like, let's say a 16 and eight, which is typically what I see yeah. people doing 16 hours of fasting followed by eight hours of eating. And in that eight hours, that's just not enough for you to get adequate calories. And you're eating about a thousand or 1200 calories a day. And you have metabolic adaptation, which isn't working in your favor. The flip side of that is you've got somebody who is consuming too many calories. Maybe they're deficit would be ideal at 1800 calories and they're eating 2200 calories within Mm -hmm. that eight hour frame. And they're just not paying attention to the rules in the parameters that we typically set for clients, which Mm -hmm. are calories and macros. That's going to come first and foremost. And whatever you decide to do to get there, whether you're doing intermittent fasting or you're doing a ketogenic strategy, or you're doing a balanced approach where you're moderate carbohydrates, moderate fat, high protein, whatever you're doing, there's still rules to fat loss and results and health and all of the benefits that you're going to get from your diet. We can't just completely disregard that and say, well, if I'm not eating in this window and I am eating in this window, I should get results. Yeah. Well, I always feel like people think intermittent fasting is just not eating. Like that's all they have to worry about. But I explain it all the time. Like if I have two clients that their deficit is 1800 for both clients, just to be easy. And one client eats the 1800 calories between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. And the other client 
intermittent fasts and does it between eight and 4 p.m., they're both still eating 1,800 calories in a deficit, whether they eat it longer period of time throughout the day or shorter period of time throughout the day, they both can still see results. It ultimately depends on the person. Like this whole episode to me is it depends on who you are and where you're coming in, in terms of your goals and how long you've been exercising and what type of exercise you're doing and how long you, you know, what type of protein intake do you need? I find that to be there's way too many other factors to just be like intermittent fasting is the thing to do to get you there. You know, we get into like these books that people write on fasting and they talk about the benefits. And I've dived into some of the research on this, which we're going to talk about in a moment in that there's a crossover. So I feel like when people will write these books and they'll cite this research and say, this is a study on intermittent fasting and it shows, and I'm going to use the first thing that we're going to go into is autophagy, which mm -hmm. I'll define in a moment, but it shows that you create metabolic autophagy through intermittent fasting. But if you're looking at it through one lens. Yeah, that's not the only way to. And you're just specific. If you just look up research on intermittent fasting and autophagy, that's all you're going to find. But yeah. now you have to think about how the body works and why the body's creating autophagy. Right. And you have to think about, well, how else can you achieve that? Mm -hmm. You can achieve that through caloric expenditure through exercise. And mm -hmm. you can also achieve that through just being in a calorie deficit. So then my mm -hmm. question raised, and I think it's important for our audience, every time they read something that says, this is the best thing because X, Y, Z, right? you have to find, does that X, Y, Z, do we find that present in other areas of the science around nutrition? And the answer mm -hmm. is more than likely, yes. There, there hasn't been a, uh, a benefit that I see that you can't replicate and create the same environment from doing something else. So yeah. my question becomes, okay, well, is it autophagy because you're in a calorie deficit and you're not time-restricted eating, but rather just restricted eating where yeah. you're restricting your overall intake? Yeah. So let's go into, let's dive into this concept of autophagy. And autophagy is essentially, it is derived from a, a Greek word that means self-eating. So essentially it's kind of like your body eating itself. Now your body contains trillions of cells and over time you end up with these unwanted molecules that can build up inside of your cells, uh, maybe some, some damaged parts that don't really belong there that shouldn't be there or maybe some like misfolded proteins or things that just errors or mistakes that your body creates that they need, you need to get rid of them. Now, what the data shows on this is that when you eat, when you're overeating calories, your body can't go through this autophagy or self-eating process. It's essentially kind of like a self-cleanup, right? So think of it as your cell just cleaning itself of the things that it doesn't need and just kind of rebuilding itself. So autophagy is kind of a natural response to you having some damaged cells or damaged parts within your cells. And autophagy solves this problem by basically just breaking those down, taking the nutrients and taking the energy from them and giving them to vital parts that need that energy. So that's basically autophagy in a nutshell. The, from my understanding of autophagy is it exists for survival of important cells by breaking down the parts that you don't need and like I said, extracting the energy and the nutrients from these parts and providing it to 
the parts that you need. And why it does that is it'll do that in times of food scarcity. Like, okay, well, where are we going to get energy from? Well, let's break down the unwanted parts and let's recreate energy and get new extract nutrients from them. But our bodies don't do this naturally. Our bodies do this naturally. Like, and you say the word, it naturally occurs. And so I think, okay, my body's got this covered. Yes. But uh, under certain, like we're, we're in control in terms of the environment that we're creating. And this is where mm -hmm. I'll say, okay, well, so what it seems like is that it's healthy to be in a calorie deficit or restrict your eating at certain times. Because if you think about the way that we've evolved, we evolved in times of food abundance and food scarcity. We didn't always have food available. So our body developed these mechanisms to protect itself. Now we find right. with people, one of the things that, like I said, slows down autophagy is if you're overeating calories over a long period of time. And this is where we find that there are negative health effects to overeating. It's kind of like I had a professor in my undergraduate studies that said at the end of the day, what you'll learn, the biggest thing that you'll learn from nutrition, the absolute truth is that people that undereat tend to live longer than people that overeat. This is where you look at intermittent fasting and you're like, oh, well, if I'm in periods of fasting and I'm undereating, then I'm going to live longer because I'm fasting. But you're not living longer because you're fasting. You're living longer because you're undereating. See, now what I hear when you say that is that you're living longer because your body isn't as stressed. And when if you're overeating and you're, your body's in a place of stress, whether you're overeating or undereating, both can cause terrible stress on the body. You can undereat to the point where it creates metabolic adaptation. And if you really undereat and you have an eating disorder, it can, it can cause death. So like you have to understand there's extremes to this. You can overeat by 100 calories a day and maybe be a little bit, maybe five to 10 pounds overweight and it not really affect your body. Or you can be 50 to 100 pounds overweight and overeat and it cause death. Like the spectrum of what is considered stress on the body from overeating or undereating is different. When we talk about intermittent fasting for specifically in my mind for weight loss, because this is what a lot of our listeners come to us for, Intermittent fasting is a tool. It's one of the many strategies that you can use, but ideally eating a little bit less and exercising a little bit more, depending on where you're starting from, can be enough. You don't have to go to extreme. So I guess my point is when you say overeat and undereat, I hear overstress and understress or overstress yeah, or under, you know what I'm saying? Stressful like, environment. Listen, yeah. you're like with the whole autophagy concept, right? If you are overeating consistently and your cells aren't cleaning themselves out, then that's seen as a negative thing from not just a weight loss standpoint, but a health standpoint. Exactly. So that's my whole point about being overweight or underweight. It all depends on how that affects your body in terms of the rest of your health. Some people can be underweight and it doesn't even phase them. Some people can be underweight and they have high cholesterol and blood pressure. And there's all kinds of things that can go wrong depending on the person. So it really depends on who we're talking to. So I guess the reason why I am going to keep bringing that up is I hate blanket approaches to anything. I hate blanket statements to everybody should intermittent fast because that's what I hear all the time is, well, if you just want it just to lose weight, just everybody fast. Like I That drives me absolutely crazy because it's one man's you know, and it's also, listen, it's not, it's not really substantiated by like the research on fasting. Isn't this vast body of research where it's like, we just know everything about it. A lot of the, the research on, you know, what we're talking about here, autophagy, like we're looking at some possible health benefits, but 
like I said, it's not you can, like a make or break but, it. But you can correlate that with just being in a calorie deficit and getting the benefit there. And the majority of the study, it's studies that we're looking at on autophagy anyway are either done in a test tube or done with animal models. So, you know, <laughs> like how, how the rats are great, but what about the humans? <laughs> yeah. Like, so how do we replicate that? Right. What happens? What we know is like in, in vitro versus in vivo, like in a mm -hmm. test tube versus in your body. Those are two completely different scenarios. Yeah. Right? Like, like I'm not dismissing some of the research, obviously. I think it's very important. But I guess my point is you, you have to test it out. But what, and what, I'm saying, out. what I'm saying is this is when you look at the research as a whole, like there are many ways to create an environment in your body. It's like the same thing, Nicole, that yeah. you and I said with a ketogenic diet and increasing mm -hmm. mitochondrial function and, and the amount of mitochondria that you have. Like you right. can exercise so and many get ways. That. There yeah. are so many ways you can get to that benefit is which one works for you. So exactly. I, I guess this episode is really for those people that think that there might be something potentially special about fasting and that's all they want to do, but they can't adhere to that. And they still try and push through that. Yeah, you're not yeah. going to be successful now and you're not going to be successful in the long term. You yeah. need to do what works for you. And there are other strategies that are highly beneficial that will produce the same outcomes from both a health and a weight loss or fat loss strategy yeah. or standpoint. Yeah. Or even clients like I have, I have someone that has been exercising more and she's like, I haven't been eating as much and I'm exercising more and I'm, I'm down eight pounds. I'm like, yeah, that's a combination of all the good things that you're making or all the good choices you're making for your body. It's not just one. Like if you just started exercising more, it may not have worked, but the fact that you're implementing all the habits that were we've set up for you is the reason why things are going the way you want them to go. It's not just one thing that makes or breaks it. Word. <laughs> All right. So back to Word. my back to back to my rant. There's also some information floating around about uh, intermittent fasting and cancer. And uh, there was a study in 2019 that talked about autophagy and cancer. And here's the thing is it's not black and white. Like when you talk about, oh, well, autophagy cell cleanup and then you're less likely to uh, develop cancer or you may actually kill cancer cells. There's kind of a gray area where depending on what stage of cancer you're in. Well, you yeah, could you, you could make you could make it worse. So it depends on the stage of the tumor. So it might actually promote cancer growth. So like this is what I'm talking about is like when we when we read books that selectively choose. Yeah. Like, all right, well, I want to just write a book about the benefits of intermittent yeah. fasting. Like, all right, well, fuck you. Like, just tell the whole story. <laughs> and be real about it. And that also look sell books, though. Durant. And also don't look in tunnel vision and say, like, all right, well, look, this is unique. It's not unique to intermittent fasting. It's to me, I look at it and it says calorie deficits create metabolic autophagy, which yeah. is healthy for you. It's good for your metabolism. It's good for your body. It's good for your cells. Yeah. Well, we know that people cherry pick studies that back up their beliefs or whatever. And I also think if someone, I also think that if someone is getting success doing intermittent fasting, then, you know, they're the ones that are all over Instagram posting all the pictures and talking about how intermittent fasting changed their life and that everybody should be and doing it. I'm not arguing that it, I'm not arguing that it didn't, but also right. a lot of these people that promoted it, like they don't know anything about it. They're just like, I did it and it worked for me. Let me show you how to do it. Exactly. Well, that's my point. They don't really care whether, you know, their studies or research. All they want people to know is it worked for them, which is wonderful. And it could work for someone else, which is also wonderful and true. But don't make it sound like everybody should be doing it. 
or it's the only way to get there, I guess. I'm going to add one more point on this and then we're going to move forward. Okay. Just to show my my the point that I'm making here, a 20 to 30 percent caloric restriction. And this is based on the, the information from the research. A 20 to 30 percent caloric restriction shows significant metabolic autophagy. Like I said, which begs the question, does intermittent fasting increase autophagy or is it the calorie restriction caused by the restricted eating that causes the metabolic autophagy? I think you have the answer. I think I'm onto something here. I do too. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about intermittent fasting. I just want to squash a few things today. Okay. Let's talk about intermittent fasting and aging. Fasting seems to slow cellular senescence, which senescence is the condition or process of deterioration with age. It's the loss of a cell's power for division or growth. The way this works is your cell goes through the, all the cells in your body. They go through mitosis. They split, right? And if we've learned, uh, I don't know, high school biology, mitosis is just your cells split and then those cells split and then you just have multiple cells, right? It's, it's kind of like uh, when people do, when people take growth hormone, when they take it for aging. And this is what I tell people. If you're taking growth hormone for aging, you're actually aging quicker because yeah. your, your cells, growth hormone increases cell division and your cells are programmed to divide a certain number of times until they die. So if you are dividing, faster. if you're, if you're speeding <laughs> up that process, yeah, then you're actually, yeah, you're going to look younger because you have new vibrant cells, but you're actually dying quicker. Mm -hmm. So those cells are going to die off quicker. And then, you know, later on, you're going to, you're going to see that later on in life. You're going to look. People can't old, just let it happen forever. the way it's going to happen and just enjoy the process. So intermittent fasting is said to slow the process of these cell splitting and therefore help you live longer because if they split faster, then they die faster and then they stop growing and repairing. They resist apoptosis, which, which is the cell death, the programmed cell death at the end, right? So they resist that because you're slowing down this process. Uh, they, also, that when these cells die, they release pro-inflammatory chemicals that cause some of the issues associated with aging. With that being said, slowing that process down could be a beneficial thing because as we age and senescent cells accumulate, they start causing problems such as inflammation, chronic diseases, metabolic dysfunction, poor recovery, and just the feeling associated with getting old. Yeah, which you basically describe everything that you need to slow down the aging process in terms of strength training, getting your cardio in, eating a healthy diet, like drinking lots of water, all the things that we teach clients to be healthy to age gracefully, as opposed to just solely fasting to slow down the process. Yeah. And again, just like right? this was and just like this was with autophagy, like it's not unique to fasting. It's unique to living a healthy lifestyle, mm -hmm. exercising and being in a calorie deficit. Right. So the moral of the story is <laughs> if you live a healthy lifestyle, you exercise and you live. I think you're, for you're me, once what? in a while. No way. Let me finish. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're once in a while in a calorie deficit. Right. You, I think it's I think it is vital, you know, looking at the information and what I extract from it is. I think it's crucial to sometimes be in a calorie deficit. And I think that we evolved that way. So therefore, that's why it's an important mechanism because being yeah. in a calorie deficit up until a certain point. Now, obviously, if you're in too big of a deficit, that's going to cause inflammation too. And that's or if gonna, you're in it too that's long. Lead to issues. Exactly. So 
Now, there's a balance there, but I do think that it's healthy for people in general. Like, hey, how about instead of fasting every once in a while, you just go into a deficit every once in a while? If you were to be in a calorie deficit and manage your weight in a healthy way is a better way to say that. Like you you shouldn't be carrying a lot of body fat. You should be lifting weights like it's all of the things that we talk about. I think there's just so much more to it than just fasting to lose weight. You have to do all the other things. Well, I don't even think people balance entirely. And this is why I wanted to talk, touch up on this. I don't think people entirely like they'll be like intermittent fasting is superior and they'll talk about all these health benefits. Well, this right. Is why, this is why I wanted to jump into this, because it's again, it's not unique to fasting. And I'm like, I don't know where where this the thought process is that we're just going to be one dimensional about our thought around, you know, nutritional science. Like it doesn't work like that. It's because people are getting results doing it and that gains momentum in the communities where someone did it and Sally or Susan, whomever you used as an example, saw weight loss doing intermittent fasting. So everyone in the community is like, well, if Sally did it, then we could do it too. And so they all give it a try. That's normal. If you told me you had a shampoo that worked great and made your hair soft as a female, I'm like, well, I might as well try that. Maybe it'll make my hair soft too. And so people go out and buy it. All right. So we're validating everything based on anecdote, which you know, I don't like. I know. Neither do I. But it makes sense in the mind of the human that if it works for one person, heck, it might work for me. So let me give it a try, which is where I become, you know, very open with my clients. I'm like, all right, well, let's give it a try. Let's see how it affects your body. Let's test it out. Let's see if you can adhere to it. You know, you don't want to close people off from something that could potentially work for them. So I'm for it. But I also tell them you still have to do all the other things like strength train and get your steps in, et cetera. In order for this to be successful, it's not just the intermittent fasting that's going to do it. People like to, uh, they just grasp onto that one straw that's going to make this thing be the thing to create change. At the end of the day, what I will say is that like what I grasp from this is restricting your eating every once in a while, Nicole, like I said before, is has some health benefits to it. Have you ever done it? Let let me ask you this. No, because I don't want to do fasting because I like eating and I'm also a sensible (laughs) human being. And I know that fasting is just not going to work for me. I like having breakfast and I like having Mm -hmm. dinner. You know when I fast? You know when I fast? When I sleep until I wake up. Well, this is my whole point about intermittent fasting because I say this to clients all the time because people ask me, have you tried it? No, I have not tried it because I already do it. living what I call a normal life. I go to bed. Everybody, you make fun of me all the time for going to bed so early. I go to bed between 8 and 8.30 and I wake up at 5, 5.30. I fasted. I don't need to fast throughout the day to do that. But if you're up till 10 p.m. and you're snacking till midnight, well, heck yeah, maybe you need to eat later on, late, like a later start to the morning. When I was a kid, we did, we did, we quote unquote intermittent fasted. <laughs> like, well, not on purpose, just how we live. Well- The only times that I'll actually like fast is like now unintentionally, like if I wake up and I have a ton of work to do, then I'll do my work and then I'll eat, you know, a few hours later. So that I still eat the same amount of calories. I still eat the same amount of calories and my deficit is still what creates like I'll still get my four meals in and just shift your feed time. Exactly. And my deficit is what is creating what are the health benefits for me and what are the, you know, the, the, all the things, right? We talk about other things with fasting and calorie deficits that create the same thing, like blood sugar, insulin receptors, yep. right? I- yep. Increasing insulin sensitivity. If you're not overeating, you're increasing insulin sensitivity. 
Exactly. If you are not over, if you're, if you're not eating a bunch of junk food too, right? Typically mm-hmm. people that overeat uh, sugar and refined carbohydrates yeah. in a calorie surplus, that's when you see your health starting to deteriorate. That's mm-hmm. when you see issues with your blood sugar, your A1C, uh, insulin resistance. And then you start to see, you start gaining belly fat, yeah. changes in your resting heart rate. It starts going up. You see changes in your cholesterol, changes in your blood pressure, right? When for prolonged periods of time, you're overeating. So all of this stuff that I gather from intermittent fasting is, hey, don't overeat. Every once in a while, put yourself in a deficit. And then for the most part, you're eating in maintenance. That is the way to do things, not just be tied to this concept of fasting. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that I'm kind of being a harsh critic of fasting here. I'm not saying that there's something inherently wrong with fasting. If that, no, no. Put, if that yeah. puts you in a calorie deficit and that helps and you we're get all there, for it. then you're fine. There is some research to support that for some people. And there's also anecdote to support that. Hey, my hunger and satiety cues are in check when I'm doing fasting. And if that's fine for you and like, you're not feeling hungry throughout the day, you're not feeling tired or lethargic and you feel good doing it, then by all means do so. But there's also research on the flip side of that, that it may actually screw up your hunger and satiety uh, cues. Mm -hmm. So you have to look at it from an individual perspective. Like, is this going to help me? Is this going to be sustainable for me? And do I do I just like doing it? Do I like living my life that way? I guess the point of this podcast episode isn't to drive you away from intermittent fasting. It can no. have its benefits for you Correct. if it fits into your lifestyle. I'm sorry, but I just like to eat breakfast. <laughs> well, I'm also up earlier. Like I always talk to my clients about schedule. We've talked about this on many of our other podcasts. If you're someone that works early in the morning at 6 a.m. and I have clients till noon, like there's just no way my brain functions if I don't have something to eat and for breakfast before I have this long day of clients. I I find that it works best for me to eat breakfast and then have my lunch after on my lunch break and that et cetera. But for someone that maybe doesn't go to work till 11 and does a, a different shift, maybe they don't get up till nine a.m. So the, it's OK for them to not have anything until noon or one. Again, I really just cannot stress enough. It depends on the person, the lifestyle. And again, to your point, what feels good, what works best for the person. Nothing is a wrong way of doing things, I guess. In some sense, it can have a benefit for it could benefit someone. So you have to just figure out if it's for you. But I just think all of the science behind what you're talking about can happen if you just live a healthy lifestyle. And it's also like, it's also, Nicole, we get into the concept of like, okay, well, you did intermittent fasting and it was successful for you, but what were you eating like before? Like if you were just eating fast food before and then you you started Mm -hmm. to do intermittent fasting and that put you in a calorie deficit and then you were successful because you were in a calorie deficit, not because it's intermittent fasting. Cleaned up the quality of your food. Intermittent fasting is what puts you in that deficit, not not the fact that you fasted. And that's what created the results in my eyes. Now, if I also look at the flip side of that is if you're eating a bunch of junk food in your eating window and that's bringing you over on calories, like we said, yeah, that intermittent fasting, you're not going to get any metabolic benefit on that. No, I think, you know, I always say calories and then quality or quality and quantity go hand in hand. Like you can eat shit food and less of it and lose weight and still be and, and be get and get a little bit healthier, of course, because you're eating less. But it's I, I really do believe that you have to have the, the kind of one two punch. You need to be eating less if you if you're overweight and you're storing more body fat. You also need to have 
good quality food for the other health benefits. They go together. Well, this is a conversation that I had with a client recently and that she was hitting all her numbers and she's like, you know, I haven't lost weight. And I'm like, okay, well, it's been literally one week. But (laughs) also I'm hitting all my numbers. Like, what does it matter? That's literally what the conversation was. Well, what does it matter if I'm eating more vegetables? Like those aren't going to help me to hit my numbers. And I'm like, well, those are going to help you. Those are going to help you get the nutrients that you need. You have the fiber that's feeding your gut and your gut bacteria is communicating with the mitochondria in your cells. You've got the uh, vitamins and minerals and the nutrients that you're extracting for that, that are essential for metabolism, right? You're in a calorie deficit. So you probably need nutrients more than you don't need nutrients. So, you know, those things are important. It's important to focus on quality and quantity. And with that, I want to segue into the things that are important aside from nutrient density and nutrient dense foods, the things that are important in terms of what you want to consider in creating any diet plan, regardless of the strategy you choose, you're going to need a, like we just said, nutrient density. Mm -hmm. So you want to get fiber from whole grains. You want to get fiber from your vegetables. You want to get nutrients and vitamins and minerals are really big and you're especially in your leafy green vegetables and they're important Mm -hmm. for metabolism. Magnesium being one of them, it has 300 metabolic functions. Like you don't want to be deficient in that. You want to focus on your protein quantity, regardless of what you're doing. If you're intermittent fasting, you're doing keto, you're doing a balanced approach. You want to focus on protein quantity and you also want to focus on protein feeding frequency because those are things that we know as absolute truths that they're important for increasing muscle protein synthesis and for just maintaining lean mass to maintain your resting metabolic rate while you're in a deficit. And speaking of deficits, you want to be in a deficit in order to lose fat. And that is the single most important thing that you will do to lose fat. Calories in versus calories out isn't everything, but it's a very important piece to the puzzle. Nicole, is there anything else that we, aside from protein, quantity, feeding frequency, nutrient density, and a calorie deficit, are there any kind of absolute things that we want to consider when creating any diet strategy? We are workouts. Those are all from a nutrition side of things, but you need to be lifting and you need to be walking, getting cardio in. You you have to work on the other function. We talk about calories in versus calories out specific. The calories out part obviously is the expenditure, but you have to be, you have to be working out. You have to be moving your body. So I would add that. And then sleep and recovery would be my second. Like it, that none of those fundamentals ever are going to change on any podcast that we talk about. I'm always going to say them over and over again. What I'll say is this, is that this, when choosing a strategy, And here's the thing where adherence Mm -hmm. is everything like which deficit are you able to comply with? Because whether you're doing intermittent fasting or you're doing keto or you're doing uh, 40, 30, 30, or you're doing low carb, whatever it is, the common theme is a calorie deficit. And what, when you look at all across the board, you look at what the science shows, there's no significant difference in weight loss between any Mm -hmm. of these strategies. The calorie deficit is the common theme. And I'll take it a step further than the calorie deficit for weight loss or fat loss. The calorie deficit is also a common theme when it comes to which is the reason why if you focus on health first, it naturally occurs. Well, I think calorie deficit should be a tool for people to focus on their health. Yeah. I have clients that do weight watchers that are whole 30, that are intermittent fasting, that are keto, like they all have different strategies. 
There's no one pathway. What I will tell you, they all do. In turn, that's their nutrition strategy. They all sleep well. They all drink water. They all get their steps in and they all work out and lift heavy. Like those are all part of that piece. So the bottom line is it depends on the person and it depends on what you can adhere to. And it depends on what you can create a lifestyle around. Like, what can you do from now on? That's the question I ask all my clients. Intermittent fasting is working. It feels great. Wonderful. Can you do this from now on? I think I can, Nicole. Like, I actually feel great. Wonderful. Then keep on going. And then you get people that are like, this sucks. I can't do any of this. (laughs) Okay, then we have to find a different strategy. So, and they all in every pathway are achieving the goals that they want, living healthier and having all of the things or that are meeting the needs of all the things their body needs to be healthy. I think the problem is with information and the age of information is there's so much information. And if you don't really know the subject at hand, you don't know where to look to get the right information. I, and I also think people are just going based off of what their, the physique they see versus they're going what the health of like, the body is like, Hey, I read this book and this person made this sound so enticing. Like if, if there's a book that's one dimensional and says that something is King, over anything else then just run don't buy the book burn (laughs) down the bookstore like that's it burn no don't be burning things down but no here's what i say to clients go ahead read it what did you learn and what what are these things that are appealing to you that you think you would want to try and apply to your lifestyle that's how i approach it now with clients because i feel like to your point there's so much information people are so confused (laughs) they're they're so confused it's what like they end up procrastinating because they don't know how to make a decision. So I'm like, work with a professional, work with the professional. Just don't go flying by the seat of your pants. Or just listen to the Eat Right Nutrition podcast and get your well, information there. Yeah. Is there anything else we want to say about intermittent fasting and calorie deficits? No, I think we've, we've, we've made it pretty clear that it's not superior in any way. It's a possible it's a tool. tool. It's an option. That- that you can use. It's definitely an option. If you think you want to try it, you can, but you have to also keep in mind that there are certain parameters that you have to set for yourself. So if you're trying an intermittent fasting strategy, you still have to account for the protein quantity and feeding frequency. Even if that feeding frequency is in a smaller window, I always say that you want to feed yourself protein between three and five times a day. You still need to create that calorie deficit. You still need to create nutrient dense foods. And you also want to be careful when you're doing intermittent fasting and make sure that you aren't creating too big of a deficit or on the other end, you're you know still focusing on that calorie. When calorie you say too big of a deficit, if you're restricting so much that you're potentially overeating later on or a couple of days later, that can be something that can happen. Like or not even that. No, I'm just talking. It can about getting, be though. Um, but I'm just talking about getting the negative feedback from your body yeah, yeah. when things start to downregulate. Also, keeping in mind, like if you're looking for intermittent fasting from like an aging standpoint, you also have to keep in mind that under eating is also going to age you because that's a stress on the body. So that's what, what I was saying. Essentially, earlier. we're doing is we want to create some kind of a micro stress, and there's a there's a concept of hormesis with uh with like fasting or with, it's kind of like a a stress inoculation, right? Mm -hmm. And we do that with workouts daily, right? It's a small stress inoculation that is okay for your body. You can handle it. Mm -hmm. And it's actually good for aging and longevity. But the issue with that is if you're creating too much stress, 
It's a delicate right. balance. If you're creating yep. too much stress on the system, then you have the reverse effect. So calorie deficit, small calorie deficit is a small, an example of a small stress. If you mm-hmm. create too big of a deficit, it's a large stress. Exercising is going to be a small stress, but if you're doing high intensity interval training every single day of your life, seven days a week, or you're doing two a days when you don't need to be doing two a days, Mm -hmm. that's going to be a big stress. You want to put your body in this small stress so that it is, is inoculating your body and your body has some adaptation and can respond to that environmental stress, but not too big of a stress where everything just falls apart. So with that being said, if you want to try intermittent fasting, go ahead. Just make sure that if it's in the parameters that you set for yourself, like we said, and it's not really special, if it works for you and you can adhere to the program, then go ahead and do it. If not, there are plenty of other strategies that you can try, which will be, will be just as good and just as beneficial. And if you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, write a review, share this with a friend, and you'll hear us next week. 